3: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to the Writer
2: Than You podcast.
3: Good morning. Happy
2: Monday. Start of the week. Bill Ryder with you. What's going on? Hope you had a great weekend. Thank you for being here. Appreciate you listening on CBS Sports Radio. And I want you to know that you are heard. Those of you out there that are sending messages to Tom, Pretty Daddy, to Celestino. On Twitter, sports Rider, sports, R-E-I-T-E-R. If you want to call in the phone lines, 855-212-4CBS. We hear you. We see you. Tom, good morning. How are you? Good morning,
4: Bill. Happy Monday to you. I am doing fantastic. I hope you had a great, great weekend.
2: A wonderful weekend. Here's one of the messages that represent, I think, an outpouring of support for you as a person and your, I know, journey of self-discovery and growth that we're helping with, helping you with here on Rider Than You. It's from that guy, okay? And it's Don't Forget Pretty Daddy. That's you. It's a new week and the perfect day to give hugs without context. Let's go. Let's go. Oh, just get in the hallway and hug it out.
4: Uh, I am going to not hug my two bosses today and... Okay. Um, I didn't see Boomer Sison in the hallway, so today is not that day.
2: Let's do a test run. Sean Marash, DA's producer on the show before us for the next few days, moving over to WFAN, the big the big sister station. He's a really jolly guy. He's a nice guy. He's got a huge career, well-deserved moment in front of him. He's got to be in a good mood in the hallway, in the break. Will you just go up and hug him? Let's just let's contemplate it, all right? Sometimes... When you see something, you just know it's right. And I believe anyone that's out there in the bustling world of our newsroom, if they laid eyes on you hugging Sean, would feel like it's just the way it's supposed to be. We have a great show. We have a great show lined up for you. DeAndre Hopkins took the money. He took the money and he ran, and I'm not going to blame him. He's a titan. It ain't going to work. But he's going to make some cash. We'll hit that. In about about 20 minutes. Uh we have when's the last time Tommy? We did we did a mini movie review. It's been a minute. It's been a couple of minutes. It's been a while. The people want it. Too long. I went to a place called the Grove in LA this weekend. It's uh about 15 miles from my home, which is an hour and a half drive it turns out. So that was fun. Yeah, I had to take my daughter and some friends there. It's, it's 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 my daughter's birthday coming up and I needed to kill 5 hours while they shopped. So I went to Spider-Man with my son into the spider verse across I don't know. I'm going to mini I'm going to mini mover review and you might be surprised Tom by what we what we get out of that. It's running back decision day. Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, today's the day where you got to sign that old franchise tag. Get get in there and agree to be underpaid because you chose the wrong position in the NFL or not. So we'll catch up on that a little not sure it's breaking news, but unearthed comments from Joel Embiid. He sounds like he might have a bit of a wandering eye. I forget whether or not they can go get Lillard and Philly and bring him to Embiid. Maybe Embiid's eyeing going somewhere else. This is what it sounds like when your NBA superstar decides he wants to be somewhere else. Ross Tucker, a former NFL player, does a great podcast, great guy, NFL analyst. Going to be on the show in an hour. We've got a marvelously loaded buy or sell, and we have a bunch of things to hit. By the way, uh, the Suns, bold approach cod, and let's see if it's going to work, are going to try just not to have any point guards. Just I know it's a positionless league, but they're going to just try no, no point guards. Uh, many people like it. Many people think it's going to work. Many people think, ah, Devin Booker and Bradley Beal can bring the ball up. Uh, I respectfully disagree. We'll hit that later. In the program. And I guess we will we'll talk a little bit somewhere, maybe by ourselves about about Leo Messi. Have you heard of him, Tom? Do you know who Messi is, pal? Once or twice. I've heard yeah. the name. He's now officially wearing a pink shirt down in Miami. So it's all magic. It's all happening. Uh, we don't usually start with the old tennis. But a, a an epic, epic showdown yesterday at the, at the Wimbledon men's final. And beyond tennis, beyond that particular sport, it's one of those moments... Where you watch somebody and it just strikes you, you are watching the rise of legitimate and actual greatness. I put this out there yesterday on Twitter. And because Twitter is a clearinghouse for rational thought, for kindness, for reasoned response and interactions. I got lots of nice, nice thoughts. But watching Carlos Alcaraz battle and gut it out against the greatest. And I don't like Novak Djokovic, by the way. The greatest tennis player of all time was another reminder of the phenoms that we are enjoying right now. Those at the start of their journey and those that are coming to an end. And I'm telling you, Alcaraz, who won the Wimbledon men's final yesterday in five incredible sets. So incredible. Look, I'm a tennis guy. Tom's not. And, Tom doesn't even know tennis. And he's sending me. I, was, I slept with the first two sets. I'm on the West Coast. Tom's blowing my phone up about how riveting this match was. And it was. Djokovic dominates the first set, Alcaraz barely wins a second set and a tiebreaker, but that isn't the thing that made it incredible. It was, I think, the star power, the excellence, the insane talent of this 20-year-old Spanish phenom, and it's what he is. And watching Alcaraz yesterday, I think for a lot of people who don't watch a lot of tennis, and for me, really was watching Alcaraz in person in Palm Springs a year and a half ago, a year and four months ago. You know excellence at an insane level when you see it. And I know it's going to sound like I'm getting carried away, and this is what got me in trouble on the old reasonable Twitter machine, but it's like the first time that it dawned on me, and I started watching Shohei Ohtani, and I and I realized, oh, this guy can pitch and can hit, and it's not going to be something he sort of does for a few months, and they pick a position. It is the first time, I'll go all the way in the wayback machine, that LeBron James came into the NBA. And look, there was all that hype with LeBron. Everybody was expecting to be massively talented. He was supposed to be the heir to Jordan. And there was all the, just let the kid grow up conversations. But he actually has become the player, whether he's behind Jordan or not, who has lived up to the hype. It was like watching, for me, Michael Jordan. And for tennis fans, Carlos Alcaraz has been expected to be the next great, next big thing. And I think some of what you saw in that game, in that match, and, and the thing that makes sports so amazing, at least for me, like I love scripted dramas. We're going to do this across the Spider Verse thing. Tom's always watching The Witcher or whatever fantasy show Pretty Daddy's into over there, you know? Dungeons and Dragons with Chris Pine. Is that what it is? All kinds of magical stuff. I watched that one too. We'll throw that in there. Watch it with my kid. But sports are amazing because you don't know the outcome. And in most of these com- competitions and, and contests, you are uncertain what's going to happen. It's the true extraordinary players who put a pause on uncertainty, who make you believe, even if they can't always do it, that they are invincible or likely to be invincible. LeBron James has done that in his sport. Tom Brady did that in his sport for, for two decades. Patrick Mahomes is, I think, that guy now in the National Football League. I, I know in baseball you can't control the outcome of games the same level because you only get to bat one out of every nine times, and obviously they got to hit the ball to you, at least if you're an offensive position player, for you to have any impact on defense. That's what makes Shohei so incredible. Those restrictions still apply, but he can also just go out there and pitch and strike out a bunch of guys and play at an incredibly, incredibly high level. That level of greatness, that ability to change the physics of the sport you're playing is rare, and it's special. And it's what Carlos Alcaraz had yesterday. It's why a whole bunch of non-tennis fans were watching tennis. There was a game, and I, was this in the, what set was this in, Tom? Was this the second set where where it lasted 30 minutes? It was absolutely incredible. And you could hear, I think, afterward, so, so I'm not a big Djokovic guy. And it's not the unwillingness to get vaccinated. It's not even the breaking of the rackets or the obnoxious fake injuries that he pretends to have when things aren't going well then miraculously is healed from. It's petty on my end. The reason I don't like Djokovic is, is sports. I'm a Nadal guy. And I'm pissed off that Djokovic had the temerity and the obnoxiousness and the lack of class to go out there and pass Nadal in Grand Slams 1 and as the all-time best player. Now, Nadal could still pass him. He's got a year left before he retires. But Djokovic, like all people, is complicated. And I've watched enough of these things. When guys lose to someone that they feel like they shouldn't, that's when they're angry. That's when they're pissed off. That's when they're put out. There was so much respect after Djokovic lost that Wimbledon final. After Alcaraz had a 2-1 to set lead. you got to get to 3. And Djokovic just dominated and got to that 5th set. Everybody, including Tommy, thought it was over. Tom sent me so many like it's over one direction, it's over the other direction, and Tom, you can attest. Did I politely say like bro, chill out? Yeah,
4: you said it's not over till it's over. I thought Alcaraz had won. I thought Joker had yeah, won. You I were... was I was I was on such an emotional swing.
2: Let me tell you something. I take it back. Don't ever bet on sports. You personally, you should you shouldn't do it. And the fact that in that fifth set, Alcaraz was able to break early and then hold serve after serve after serve to win his serve under that massive pressure was absolutely astounding. And in that final game where he crowned himself Wimbledon champion as a 20-year-old, he is one of one of five men to have won Wimbledon in his lifetime. Think about that. In his lifetime, the winners of Wimbledon are Federer, are Nadal, are Djokovic, and are Andy Murray, when that guy was still really, really good. And, and not only that, Alcaraz leveled so many streaks and so much dominance from Djokovic. Djokovic had won each of the last four Wimbledon men's titles. That's 34 straight Wimbledon matches. He had won 45 consecutive matches on center court at that club, which I've been to, by the way, when they're on vacation. And that's the height of pressure, and it is, by most accounts, the most important place on the face of the earth. It would be like if every finals were played at Madison Square Gardens, for example, and or every World Series were played at Fenway, or Yankees fans, you want to pretend Yankees, it's not Yankee Stadium, wherever it might be, and you couldn't lose. Djokovic had won 15 consecutive tiebreaks at majors, which was a record. And somehow Alcaraz, who was down, what, 0-3 in that tiebreaker, came back and found a way to win. It's just greatness. And I'm going to say it, and people can roll their eyes, but barring an injury, barring really bad habits, barring his version of Yoko Ono, which maybe isn't fair to her or Lennon. I don't know. I wasn't really around for the Beatles, but it feels like a thing. Barring a serious change, this kid's going to be one of the all-time greats. He's won two two Grand Slams. Is he going to win seven? Is he going to win 17? Is he going to win 27? I don't know. But Djokovic can tell. You can tell that... that Djokovic, who has a healthy ego but respect for greatness, understands that the kid that he beat is the next big thing. And for all of us watching, it was about more than than tennis. It's about the rise of that level of star. Webb and Yam, I should throw into the mix, too, that we have seen around the world and that we are seeing again and again. Those phenoms that rise up and dominate sports. And and for Djokovic, after the loss, he was so gracious, by the way. On court, he was gracious. Made me like him, which pissed me off, too. Reminded me of Tom Brady. Like, can you just, I don't like you. Because you pass dog can you stop being gracious and kind and crying about your son and basically being a, a good person? It's obnoxious. Djokovic paid Alcaraz the ultimate compliment by saying he is, Carlos Alcaraz, this kid, a combination of the three greatest tennis players of all time.
5: Well, I think people have been talking in the past uh, um, 12 months or so about uh, uh, his game being consisting of certain elements from... Roger Ruff and myself, I would agree with that. I think he, he's got ba- basically best of all three worlds. Uh, he's got uh, he's got this mental uh, mental resilience and really maturity for someone who is 20, year old, 20 years old. It's, it's quite impressive.
2: I can remember Therese Paler, my late great friend uh, who covered the Chiefs, national writer but based in Kansas City, covered the Chiefs, coming on the show a bunch and TP talking about Mahomes. Before Mahomes had won the Super Bowl. Didn't take long. And just saying, and Terez was not a guy who would give into hyperbole. And just saying Mahomes is going to be one of the greats if he's healthy. And and people rolled their eyes, and I ran with it because I trusted Terez's reporting and instincts. And you got the same... And look, we get stuff wrong all the time. But this isn't one of them. Mahomes is what he is. And I think Yama is going to be what he is. And Otani is what he is. You can go through all these sports with all these phenoms. Tiger, back when when he was emerging. LeBron, when he was emerging. That is who this kid is that played tennis yesterday. It's how good he is. And it's not just his, his mental fortitude, you saw that. Or the fact that he has two majors at age 20. Or that he's the youngest Wimbledon's... The, men's winner in a generation since the 70s. You got, I think it's 80X. You have to go back to Borg. I mean, you're talking about all the stats and all the things that paint a picture of a kid that is way ahead of schedule. There's also an insane uniqueness to his game. He has every single shot. He hits a multitude of drop shots, which people find obnoxious in tennis, and I love because I hit them, and now I don't look like as big of a jerk, apparently, as, as I used to. And Djokovic, after losing to this young man, talked about just the rare nature of this kid's game.
5: So I haven't played a player like him ever, to be honest. You know, uh, Roger and Rafa have their own, obviously, strengths and weaknesses, but uh, uh, Carlos is a very complete player, Uh, amazing uh, adapting capabilities that I think are a key for longevity and for a successful career on all surfaces.
2: My buddy Rush Thaler, who's a host at CBS Sports HQ, works at tennis channel, is a is a very, very good tennis player, got a little little frustrated with me on Twitter yesterday. Told me to slow down. Now I had just driven an hour and a half to take my fourteen year old kid shopping with my credit card, apparently. Like, where's your money? You have an allowance. So I fired off a tweet. Did you see this, Tommy? I said Do you see this tweet? No,
4: I sure did.
2: <laughs> he didn't respond. <laughs> no, he did not. I looked for that. He was like, slow your roll, rider. It's probably reasonable. And my response was, two grand right now, Alcaraz wins 10. And I'm telling you, it's a lock if the kid doesn't get hurt. He's going to have five in two years. And somebody on Twitter, one of you made the point, and I think it's accurate, that Serena Williams didn't have, it was James Tucker, didn't have a real equal. And had that 15-year run. And this is the thing that made Tiger, Tiger. And that I think is going to make Alcaraz different than Nadal, Federer, and, and Djokovic. Doesn't mean he'll get, he'll get to 24. Maybe he will. But if you're Mahomes, as great as you are, you've got to rely on a bunch of other guys. And you got to play a team sport and go through them. This is obviously most true for Shohei Otani, who's amazing and is probably going to be a Dodger next year. Because the Angels can't win games. Right, we can go through all the sports and all the phenoms and all the guys. Webb and Yama, LeBron. I mean, LeBron's won a bunch, but he can't win them all. And we've seen LeBron, especially that first finals he lost to the Warriors, be literally the best player on the floor and lose because it's a team sport. It's not true in golf, and it's not true in tennis. And so when a Tiger arrives, he can dominate because there's no one to match him. Now, that ha- in tennis, we've had this weird situation where the three best players of all time played at the same era. Nadal is a broken I love Nadal. He's broken. has a year left. is retired, and Djokovic is going to get old. I'm telling you, what you saw yesterday was the rise of another one of these greats, the difference being he's in a sport where there not may not be anyone because there's not a team out there to stop him. All right, 855-212-4CBS is the phone number. Uh, Pretty Daddy's wearing one of those Father's Day shirts. It looks phenomenal. See, if it's not the white one, we don't make fun of him, but I like the white one because it was a Daddy-O kind of Grease Lightning kind of thing, but he looks good. He's in a, in a mood, so we're going to give you a... Uh, a mini-movie review on... And I did a fantasy thing to celebrate Tom, a little Dungeons & Dragons, and across or into the Spider-Verse, whatever weird Spider-Man cartoon movie's out. Went to that yesterday. We'll hit that. We'll get into DeAndre Hopkins deciding to be a Titan, and it's decision day for some running backs. All that coming up next here on CBS Sports Radio.
0: Call from Mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: into horse-drawn carriages. It said, don't worry, this Henry Ford doesn't know what he's talking about. Same thing for cab drivers currently in New York. We'll pay for the medallion. That's a very similar vibe to what's going on with people who said, don't worry, the running back's indispensable. On CBS Sports Radio. You like that one. I can see you making fun of me with your eyes when you play it. Um, all right. Hi, Andrew Bogus. Good morning, buddy.
0: That's right. It's the, don't rush. We didn't get that. Oh, hi. Oh, there we go. I'm not in charge of my mic. Sorry. Ooh, Diesel, you <laughs> screwed that up,
2: bro. What did I do? I don't Whoa. know.
0: My button was on in here.
2: Wow, Tom. Came at you quick. I, I was didn't gonna do be... anything. <laughs> my goodness. My goodness, folks. Uh, Andrew and I are tennis fans, but Diesel, you just told me something in the break I was a little surprised by. Your wife was doing the Googles to figure out the tennis rules because she was that into the, the Wimbledon?
4: Me and my wife sat on the couch for four hours and forty-two minutes and watched the entire thing start to finish yesterday. And neither one of us are tennis fans. Like she had questions that I could not answer. That she was so into it that she was googling the answers that she wanted.
2: Was the question why are they smiling?
4: (laughs) Well, well, she she knows that you know I'm allergic to joy, so she uh, she glossed over that one.
2: I uh, I don't know if you got to a- watch it, Bogus. I have to confess, I set my alarm for for five forty five to get up six a.m. start time here on the West Coast. Thought to hell with it. I'm too tired. Then I got up out of guilt a short time later and looked at my phone, and Djokovic had won the first set. I think six to one. Yeah. I hate Djokovic. I'm like, all right, I can't watch this. Mm-hmm. Then I felt like an idiot again. I woke up and Alcaraz had just won the tiebreaker. It went 8-6 to six on my phone, and I thought, oh, I screwed up. And I got up and watched the last three sets.
0: Uh, Yeah. Uh, the first time I saw it, it was 5 nothing Djokovic in the first set. I was like, oh, this Ugh. will be, be fun. So it was 5 nothing to start? He won the first five games of the match, and then it was 6-1 in the first set. And uh, by that point, we were finished getting out of bed, having breakfast, cleaning up. TV went on, and I was like, oh, second set's even. We got a match. Third set. Oh, look, how about this? Fourth set, Djokovic rallies, and I go, no, nah, that's probably it for the young Carlos. That's what
2: Dsel said. That I was a good him. effort.
0: And then nope, another epic fifth set. What a match.
2: That game that lasted, what, thirty there was a game in a game that lasted I did
0: it hit thirty minutes? Officially? I worked out. I did two back to back twenty minutes or forty minute total Peloton classes. And they played two games because that one of them was so it was long. It was like 3-1 in the fourth set. It was ridiculous.
2: Do you think I'm crazy? Because my buddy Russ Thaler, and I, and I challenged him to a money bet, and he, now, now now he's not talking to me on Twitter. Do you think I'm crazy? I don't think I'm crazy. That, that Alcaraz is whatever phenom you want to point to. I, I think he is the next great thing in that sport. And I think he is on the same pedestal as whatever phenom has either succeeded or we think is likely Wemby is the easiest one, right? Or Shohei sort of mid, mid-career, wherever he's at. I, th- I, I think Alcaraz is 100% the real deal, beyond oh, question.
0: Yes, absolutely.
2: Beyond question. Yes,
0: he's the next, the next best player in the sport. But again, they, the ceiling is the question, and we've had three guys back-to-back-to-back to back to back rewrite the ceiling. So I don't know what's fair to expect of these guys anymore, but he's certainly going to be the next, the next best player.
2: Alright, so I think I'm gonna get this wrong, but I think it's Djokovic has twenty three of them.
0: Yes, his shoe N- said that yesterday.
2: Nadal is twenty two and Federer has twenty.
0: Uh Diesel's saying yes.
2: He's getting the thumbs up. And Nadal, I had to look this up and I I I'd forgotten. Nadal's retiring next year, but he's currently injured. So he's gonna play next year. So maybe but he probably doesn't get another one. If either of if two of those guys, alternate universe, had just poof, done something else for a living. You guys watched the movie yesterday, the Beatles sort of alternate universe. It was great. John Lennon was a fisherman or something instead of whatever. How many does the other guy win? 40? If the other two do just vanish from the face of the earth. I mean, think about it, right? Yeah. Like, I know it sounds stupid, but if there's only Djokovic or there's only Federer or there's only Nadal, don't they win whoever remains at least 30 conservatively.
0: I, I guess, but I, I also wonder the effect of the other one setting the example for the ones that follow. Like, does Nadal become higher. Nadal if there's not already Federer? And then can does Djokovic somehow go down a different path because he doesn't have those two guys in front of him setting precedent and history and the tone and whatnot?
2: Federer was already Federer before Nadal kind, right? He won a few. Yeah. My point is, I think Alcaraz can win thirty. Doesn't mean he will. He could like decide he likes Vegas or, or 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 hanging out with his wife or raising kids or not being on the road or get or get hurt. But I think the guy, he could win four. I get it. He can also win thirty.
0: Yeah, like I still think that the fair number is to like win fifteen. Like that was that used yes. to, like the to, to, where, where Sampras took the record. Like, yes. that still seems astronomical. Because all the other guys are nestled around, like, 8 to 10, like, historically. And now these guys have blown past 20 with ease. It just doesn't make any sense. All the other
2: talented players are chokers, too. I mean, like, that is just, I mean, I can't say their names, so I'm, like, obviously a great tennis analyst, but Felix Auger-Stimulimile. Oh,
0: I mean, the Canadian guy, yeah.
2: Hit me with it. He's so talented. His name? He's so talented. Or, or this center kid who's Italian- Right, is he Italian? Yes, but he's actually German because, like, North Italy. So he's got he's like he's like very staid. He's on the border. Mm-hmm. Who else? Who else am I supposed to be talking? There's about? Medvedev, these...
0: who actually is decent against Djokovic, but that doesn't matter. Right. Um, there's also the, uh, the German guy Zverev.
2: Yeah, there's Sissy Paz, who's a, just a he pretends he's going to the bathroom all the time to throw people off and everybody right. hates him.
0: Yes, Matteo Berrettini is from Italy. He has some Ooh. potential, but these are not. All time guys,
2: Taylor Fritz is an American. By the way, I'm watching Breakpoint on Netflix. I don't like Taylor Fritz.
0: I can't get into it. I tr- I like I like tennis. I like behind the scenes stuff. I've watched every second of the F1 version, and now I watch I F1 races on Sunday mornings from Austria. Can you explain this to me? Why everyone's into F1? I, you know what? What's what I'm wondering now about. Is this dude, Max Verstappen, keeps winning easily? Like, the races are not competitive. And it's, I feel like at some point, us Americans are going to get pissed off by that.
2: Is he the guy they're making a movie about who played video games? Different I guy. Yeah, I saw a trailer. Guy? Tommy, yeah. I saw a trailer. I guess we'll do the mini movie review later because it won't be mini enough. Tom, will your wife watch more? Because my wife now wants to watch tennis. Part of the reason we watched Breakpoint last night is Lori, similar to your wife, Andrew kept talking about how amazing that match was. So we went and watched a tennis documentary when I want to go to sleep. It's ironic.
4: Well, I think it's a double-edged sword, right? Because it's not always like that. That's the problem, right? Like you don't get this two stars playing each other in an epic match every single time. So she may check in again, but it's never going to be like that again.
2: Let me look. This is not pick on Tom day. I just, it occurred to me. I'm going to say, so she's Googling, the rules of tennis so she could know what's going on.
4: Hey, I admit it. Like there's stuff that I could not answer that she asked me yesterday and brute. Right, pr- if, if she didn't Google it, I would have Googled it. I'm not tennis guy like that.
2: What were like what were the confusing parts?
4: Like going going through all the rules of the tiebreaker. Like I, I was mm. not up on that yesterday. Okay. Gotta yeah. win by so, two. Some
0: yeah. of the rules are designed to almost make you not like it. It's like they're being protective oh, of the sport and they're like what? let's make this a little too confusing so people back out of it.
2: What's con- Wait, what's the confusing thing about a tiebreaker? Well,
0: just the whole thing is confusing.
2: Because it's now— Play to seven, win by two, start on the right, but only serve one. Then you go every other, switch it. it yeah, six,
0: serve once 12, and then 18. every two, and you got to win start by two. Edge. And sometimes it's to six in the set, or sometimes you got to go to a tiebreaker. Now we've got match tiebreakers. Now you have the first one to ten winning by two at Wimbledon. And even just 15, 30, 40, why isn't it 45? Why are we, why are we skipping the 15, and why is even that? And why are there points in a game, in a set, in a match? It's a lot.
2: Yeah, my kids are still confused. What's, what's more futile, being Medvedev and, and hoping to win a couple majors, Grand Slams, excuse me, or being DeAndre Hopkins and hoping to win a couple games? Well, how's that? Did you guys see this? So, so Hopkins was, we would agree he was, I don't know about the big prize, but he was an in- tantalizing receiver option that was out there, and there was talk he might go somewhere interesting. Instead, he took the money, a couple years, what is it, $12 million, but can get to 15 with incentives. And here's the thing that I saw that I like sent to DeSalle. I was so excited about it. And DeSalle kind of put out, goes, it's in the email that you sent me. <laughs> I missed that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> Mike Vrabel is the head coach of the Titans. As you guys know, he's a linebacker. As you know, linebackers play on defense. And until Hopkins agreed to be a Titan, is I have this right, Tommy? Vrabel was the second all-time leading touchdowns receiving guy before that organization? Vrabel had
4: 10. That was more than anybody in the wide receiving core
2: currently on the Titans roster. He was one. Excuse me. So it's Ryan Tannehill is going to basically be the... so, John, are we in agreement? Hopkins took the money. Doesn't care about winning. Knows they're not going to be very good. Accepts that it's just he's going to get in the neighborhood of twenty million or so dollars.
4: You got thirty-five-year-old Ryan Tannehill. You got Malik Willis, who the Titans tried to hide last year when the thirty-five-year-old Ryan Tannehill got hurt. And then you drafted yeah, Will Levinson, You drafted a guy who fell to to in the second round. Around. And oh, like I don't know, like if you're the Tennessee Titans, why not keep? A.J. Brown and don't trade him to the Eagles if you're just going to go out and sign DeAndre Hopkins. How does that make sense? Somebody explain that to me. Keep
0: I like going, this. Bro. Keep going. Listen, I'm sitting back.
4: I mean, A.J. Brown was one of the main reasons the Eagles got to the Super Bowl last year. The dude is a stud, but let's go out and sign 31-year-old DeAndre Hopkins and pay him $12 million and maybe even 15 in year one
2: of the deal. You're very angry. Can I, can I offer a thought? And, a, and maybe, a, maybe a lesson for all of us. Please Maybe do. the Titans are doing this thing called admitting they were wrong.
4: Yeah, I mean, they fired GM John Robinson, so they got a new guy in there. And clearly Mike Vrabel has the power in that organization. I mean, he's the number one guy. When the GM gets fired but the head coach stays, that tells you all you need to know.
2: Look, I'm not mad at DeAndre Hopkins. Take the money, do what you want to do. I can't tell people how to live their life. But th- obviously he was in a unique position to be able to choose where he went and there is no opportunity. Look I hope I'm wrong, I'm a variable guy. There's no opportunity for real postseason success with, with, with the Titans. There there's there's just there's just not. The the AFC is way too good and the Titans are way too mediocre, and that is being I think I think pretty generous, especially offensively. I and what do you say? He's thirty one. I'm a little surprised he didn't at least take a consideration to take a and it's easy for me to say, but take less money and go to Kansas City go to a place like Buffalo, maybe go over on the, on the NFC side and, and just make a run, right? Just make a run because this is it. Do either of you believe DeAndre Hopkins when he's 33 and this contract is up is going to be desirable? And have, I don't. This is it. This is, this is the end of the career. This is the last hurrah of excellence.
0: Yeah, the last time you would sign him to lean on him in this, in this way. Obviously, the caveat is we have no idea what else is out there. It's easy to say, go here, go there, wait a little bit longer. Training games haven't opened yet. Somebody didn't get hurt creating a job. But maybe there was really no interest from the Bills and the Chiefs or anybody else. And it came down to just Tennessee and New England. So you're picking between a bad team in the AFC East, a team that absolutely has limitations but could win the AFC South again because the South is That's such a fair. weird division. And now you're in. He knows Mike Vrabel. And they're tacking on an extra 2 or 3 or $4 million. i like, Maybe this was his only choice.
2: The Vrabel connection is a good call. Vrabel got his start in coaching as a defensive coordinator with the Texans before Hopkins got, got shipped out. I, there certainly wasn't a market at, at 12 to $15 million a no. year, but there was a market. And again, easy for me to say. That, but if, if Spike asking called me tomorrow and David Maranek had said, you take a pay cut if you want to work with diesel, I mean, the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you choose excellence.
0: <laughs> yeah, I over this. dollars. Yeah,
2: no, please don't. Be careful.
0: Don't this would be the one eyes. time they're listening. Like, oh, that's an interesting <laughs> note. Jump that down.
2: Oh, producer bomb! I just got a text from D Cell. Oh, did you know that I do this now, Bogus? I'll be on. Um, I'll be on with a guest because we're not in the same city. Poor guy can't talk in my ear. And, and I'll like you know whatever. I'll have uh, Jerry Harrison Jr. on. We'll be talking, and he's the Dodger. And I want to ask about the Dodgers yet. And I'll get a. Dodgers question. Just a, So it's a producer bomb. I really like it. Because I want to give D-Cell credit for, for steering the show. He, do you like it, Tom? Uh, no, not so much. Not so much. Do not you like really. it, Bogus?
0: I do. It makes D-Cell uncomfortable, so therefore I definitely like
2: producer it. Producer bomb. Here's what I got. Just mid, mid-sentence. mid We can squeeze in running backs. All right, what do you, you – uh, hit me.
0: Look at you producing.
2: Today's
4: deadline day, 4 p.m. Eastern, for each of the three remaining players – that have been franchise tagged, who have not signed their tags yet. You got Josh Jacobs, you got... Ooh, I was going to guess. Oh, okay. Saquon Barkley, and you got Tony Pollard of the Dallas Cowboys.
2: Look, I, I, I have sympathy for all of those guys. I would not acquiesce to a single one of them. Just personally, and I know it's different situations, different organizations, d- different pressures on those you know various front offices, but I... I mean, Dalvin Cook doesn't have a job for. A reason. I'm just. I'm not paying running back now. You, you guys are New York guys. Is what's the vibe in New York? Are, are, is there a are, are over on WFAN? Are they are they clamoring for Barkley to get paid?
0: Um, no, NFL fans are smart. They they know the lay of the land. They want Saquon Barkley, but they want Saquon Barkley at the correct price. I think they're okay with signing him. It's just not overpaying him. That's what they they know they can't do.
2: I mean, we've seen. Tom, we've seen guys just the few guys that have, that have decided like I'm going to hold out. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna play. It, it doesn't work out for. Him. It doesn't work out. Saquon Barkley decides he's gonna he's gonna sit out, not show up, not play. It's not it's not gonna work. And me, for him,
4: me and Bogus argued about this this morning. If if you told me I had to pay one of these guys, one of these three, I would pay Josh Jacobs. That would be the guy that I would pay. He deserves you... more than that $10 million guaranteed that he would get if he signed his franchise deck. He, uh, nobody remembers. This dude led the league in rushing last
2: year. I might pay him if I'm the Giants, and I have an option maybe of Josh Jacobs, but I, the Raiders aren't going to... What are the Raiders paying him for? How many? The Raiders aren't going to win a bunch of games this year. The Raiders have done this dude wrong. They declined his fifth-year option. It's business. They declined
4: his fifth-year option... And now they're only going to guarantee him $10 million on the tag. Like, that's just not—the dude is uber talented. He deserves to get paid. I understand that the, the position has been devalued, but, like, this guy can help you win games.
2: You know, you, know, you know who these guys are if they decide to think with their heart, not their head? They're Le'Veon Bell. How'd that work out? How'd that go? Couldn't have gone worse. At the time, I, have seen re- I think the Le'Veon-Bell thing in the moment seemed more reasonable as a, as what I deserve because the Steelers were still a contender or, or, or saw themselves a contender. Josh Jacobs has two problems. He's a running back, and he plays for the Raiders. Like, like, I, how many games are the Raiders winning this year? I don't even know if Vegas is number five. Is that the number? That's,
0: Either of you want to go higher than five wins? I think that's low. You do? Yeah, I think they could be. I mean, they could be. I think seven wins is a is a reasonable expectation. You
2: believe I, in Jimmy G staying on the field?
0: Seven and ten as
2: a high as a as a ceiling.
0: As a ceiling, yes.
2: If Josh Jacobs is out there, correct. Which is not a playoff team, right? And you are going to get humiliated. Not that this matters twice by the Chiefs. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. two it's two automatic losses right
0: there, right? Because they hate you. Yeah, I am not paying any of these guys. See, I the 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 the. The kind of the escape clause here is the math is right there. The franchise tag is 10.1 mil right now. Next year, it's up. You get a 20% raise if you do it yep. again, which they can. So now we're at $12 million. So it's roughly 22, 23 mil for two years. So you can do a deal that's two years, 24, 25 mil guaranteed. It makes them feel like they're getting more than they would have. They're not signing and, that. and you can get out of that after two years.
2: I I I hear you, but A they're not signing it, and B, you're right, except that in that scenario where you're franchising twice, you don't have to franchise a second time. So if he has a drop off, if he gets hurt, I I mean there's a lot less risk involved.
0: Yes, but there's also there but the idea of getting around twelve or thirteen mil guaranteed is just like that's a it's a feasible amount of money for teams. But they're not taking that. That's not now that's the yeah. other part of this. Okay, that to me is where the common ground lives. One side or the other chooses to be ignorant, hard-headed. That's on them. But you can get this done and you can get $25 million. Like I like that's I I understand so I, I can not make either one of them sign it, but that to me is where these conversations should be revolving around.
2: I love this. But producer bomb. Um break for MB. I got a little text.
0: Mm. So the guy that said bring up running backs then cut short yeah. the running back conversation. Yeah. Well, we did not
4: cut it short. We got yeah, to No, we did lot two good right talks there. cut short. Yeah, We got Keeping to a us. lot right there, my
2: friend. You know what? In another life, you could have been a hall monitor, and you would have been damn good <laughs> at it. At a school with your Grease Lightning shirt on, right yeah. back in the 70s.
0: I could see that Mr. D roaming the halls. You oh, yeah. Mr. Teachers? D. Mr. D. I
2: hate Mr. D. But then years later, it's like Mr. Holland's You're open. The Mr. Best. D, you changed my life. He made me go to math. All right, Tom's math. Uh, because we're out of time. It's time for Joel Embiid. Uh, he wants to go somewhere else just like D'Cell. We'll get into that after we get a CBS Sports Radio update from Andrew Bogus.
3: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever. Or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's
1: joy in every journey.
0: I'm Sandra
4: Welcome back to Writer Than You. I'm going to learn all the rules of air hockey. Both of them. That sounds like a cell assignment.
2: Oh, that, that was mean. On CBS Sports Radio. What are the rules of air hockey? Where does they even come from? All right. Tom has decided he won't transfer. He's not going to force his way out the way that Embiid wants to. Look, I'm not sure if Embiid does, but Joel Embiid won the MVP, totally floundered under the postseason pressure, He's got three seasons left at basically 48 51 and $55 million and a $60, $59 million player option in year four. You'd think he'd be in Philly forever, but talking to Maverick Carter over the weekend, this little nugget raised some eyebrows. I
1: just want to win a championship, um, you know, whatever it takes. I don't know what that's going to be, whether it's in Philly or you know, anywhere else. You know, I just want to have a chance uh, to accomplish
5: that I want to. See what it feels like to win that first one, and then you can think about you know, the next one.
2: Look, half of American marriages end in divorce, so it's not like it's a shocker when it happens. But if your spouse says, I really want to enjoy retirement, whether with DCell or somebody else, you got to be a little worried. I mean, you, you got to be, well, wait, wait there's, we're contemplating, what? I, that ain't good if you're Philadelphia. And to me, the takeaway is that is Joel Embiid internally, and now externally, Blaming Philadelphia for his own shortcomings, he has had plenty of talent on that team. He's had plenty of help and support. Now you can make whatever argument you want about James Harden not being a postseason warrior, but neither is Embiid. I mean, in theory, Harden was going to be the number two, and Embiid was going to carry this team. And Embiid wasn't able to handle the pressure, the responsibility, the load that you need to be able to uh, to be burdened with if you're going to have postseason success. So we can go somewhere else. He can go super team. We can go cut. Ke- you know what he is? He's a he's a poor man's Kevin Durant. That's what he is. Really, really, really good, but suddenly aware he can't do it on his own. He can't even do it as the main guy. And Durant never has. Don't give me this old Durant won two finals MVP. I don't know I'm going old, man. Durant won two finals MVPs when I was younger. No, man. Steph was the obviously the best player on that team, the catalyst of that team. And if you're Daryl Morey, you've got to be freaked out. because I'm And, and I like Daryl, runs basketball operations. But I'm telling you, if Embiid forces his way out of Philadelphia, there will be hell to pay for everybody that is there. Nick Nurse didn't show up for that job to coach or rebuild, and the ownership that's there is not paying Daryl Morey what they are so that Daryl can rebuild the team to the draft. That is a nightmare scenario. And you're not going to get, if Embiid decides to force his way out, you're not getting some equivalent star because Embiid's not going to want to go somewhere where that star isn't there to play with him. It's not going to work. So that means there's a lot of pressure on Philadelphia, on that front office right now, to move Harden on for something, or pieces plural, that will make Embiid successful. Forget happy, you got to win. you got to be successful. you got to get it done. And good luck with that, because Milwaukee is still an absolute beast in the East. I, I'm not sure how Porzingis works, but I know Boston, it doesn't matter. The Boston's either really good, or they're really good plus a little bit better. Either way, they're a finals caliber team, made it two years ago. Should have made it, almost made it. This past Eastern Conference Finals, seven games against Miami, and there's a bunch of other teams in the East that are obviously super interesting and worthy of of some respect. That's a warning from Joel Embiid. I kind of want to find it obnoxious too. Tell him I like Embiid, but I I guess it's the NBA now, right? You, you force your way out, you're threatened to leave. I mean, once Lillard and Beal are forcing their way out, not just forcing their way out, forcing their way to specific locations that lower the price, all bets are off with every every player in the NBA.
4: And the other thing, too, when I look at Joel Embiid, he turns 30 this season, Bill. He's going to yeah. be on the wrong side of 30. Like, it's getting yeah. late for him.
2: Big man, hit injury, history, history of, of injuries. Jokic won one, he should stay. Steph won one, he should stay. You hope Giannis stays. I like Milwaukee, though. I'm from near that area. Guys that haven't won a championship, man, they liked me on the move. All right. Good first hour. Let's talk some National Football League.